Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. So Jesus said to the first of his disciples, and so Jesus says to you and me today. But here's the thing, more than just extending the call, Jesus also leads us in the task. Continuing in our series of messages all about Jesus' many epiphanies to you and to me, here's today's message. It's entitled, I Will Lead You, and it's based on Mark 1, verses 14 through 20. I think perhaps the thing that amazes me the most about this story that we have just heard from Mark's gospel is the use of the word immediately. As in, immediately, Simon and Andrew left their nets and followed Jesus. And how immediately afterward, Jesus then called James and John, who also presumably immediately left everything behind to follow Jesus as well. Now, granted, that word does offer up some sense of the urgency, and yes, I will say it, the immediacy of that moment on the shore of the Galilean Sea. And it also uh, tells us a lot about the decisive nature of Jesus' call to follow. But wouldn't you agree, friends, that this is not, by and large, how we'd prefer moments like this to go? I mean, to leave everything, everything, to follow an itinerant preacher into an unknown future and, and, and just to do it just like that? No, that's not how we'd handle the situation. No way. I mean, we'd want to think it over, right? We'd want to consider our options. We want to weigh the pros and cons. We, we need to discuss that offer with our spouse or, or with our family. Maybe call an expert in and, and, and tell us if this is a smart move or not. Suffice to say, there's a lot to consider in making a decision like that. There's a reason, you know, that in the United Church of Christ, when someone is sensing a call to ordained ministry... We encourage that person, no, actually, we require that person to enter in a time of discernment. In fact, those who are seeking ordination, we refer to them immediately as members in discernment. A time to prayerfully reflect on the nature, the the consequence, and even the validity of that call. It's Basically because one simply does not want to blindly rush into what almost certainly is going to be a life-altering situation. But as we heard, that's definitely not the case for Peter and Andrew, James and John. All it takes is for Jesus to call them to follow and immediately... They leave their homes and their family and their livelihood to become, as Jesus puts it in this particular passage, fishers of people. It's an epiphany, and that's the nature of an epiphany, isn't it? 
Quote Caroline Lewis of Luther Seminary. Epiphany, she says, is an immediate and meaningful understanding of something. It's surprising. It's, it's sudden. It's, it's profound. And there's something about epiphany that demands immediately. It calls for urgency. It, it's not, well, isn't that interesting? It, it's not, well, okay, uh, why don't you let me think about this for a few minutes? No, it, it's not, uh, well, I'll tell you what, let me get your number and your email address and I'll get back to you. What it is, is I need to respond to this here and now. And so it was for these four fishers, as Mark describes them. And such was the nature of this epiphany, this revelation of Jesus unto them at that moment, is that it literally required from them a leap of faith. You know what's interesting about this passage is, is that usually when we read this text, usually when we preachers preach on this text, we end up spending a fair amount of time speculating as to why they left everything to follow Jesus. Was it that in that singular moment they saw something in Jesus that they'd never seen before? Perhaps it was this rumbling of good news that they'd been hearing all around them. And perhaps they'd even heard it from Jesus himself because even though in Mark, these are among the first words that Jesus speaks, we know elsewhere in the Gospels that they had gone to see what Jesus had to say. Maybe it was about this good news they'd heard about a new kingdom that was coming, a kingdom that was of God. Or perhaps it was as though, as St. Augustine later said of them, that in Jesus their restlessness had finally found its rest in God. Truth be told, though, we don't know for sure why they were so moved to drop their nets and follow, as the message puts it. We only know that they did. And because they did, their lives, and by extension our lives, were changed forever. But also I think there's something else we need to consider here this morning. We need to think a moment about how in that fateful moment on the shore of Galilee, not only were these new disciples being called to follow Jesus, they were also being led by Jesus. Because really, how could they or for that matter, how could you and I possibly become fishers of people without the help, without the leading of Jesus? Like I said before, unlike Andrew and Peter, James and John, you and I more than likely would be quite reticent to, to leave work and family and friends and all the rest of it so to venture into such an uncertain future. Then again... You know, if we're being honest here, it's also unlikely that you and I would ever be called to literally drop our nets to go and proclaim the coming kingdom of God in the same way that they were, at least. But all that said, 
we also need to understand that there is a reason that Mark made a point of including this particular story in his gospel. Mark is very lean about his story. It, it just states the facts of Jesus' life, his crucifixion and his resurrection. And it's meant to be a very straightforward bullet account, really, of the gospel. But Mark makes a point, however briefly, to say, tell this story. He wanted to remind all those post-resurrection Christians from the very beginning, right up to you and me today, that Jesus is, in fact, still right there on the shoreline calling us to follow, promising us that if we do follow, he will make us fishers of people. Now, maybe not following in the same way or for exactly the same purpose as those first 12 disciples, but nonetheless, friends, following him in particular and distinct ways that may or may not be like that of the first disciples. Actually, I love what David Lose, also formerly part of Lutheran Seminary, has had to say about this. He, he writes that you and I today can never speak of following Jesus in general. And perhaps that's the point of this. Perhaps this is the point of Jesus' call. Perhaps, Lowe's writes, we follow by becoming a teacher. Perhaps we follow by volunteering at the, uh, the senior center or the homeless shelter. Perhaps we follow by looking for those who always seem to be on the outside so that we can invite them in. Perhaps we follow by listening to those around us and responding with encouragement and care. Perhaps we follow by caring for an aging parent or, or, or looking after a special needs child or, or caring for someone else, anyone else that needs our care at that time and place. There are, Lewis concludes, any number of distinct ways that we can follow Jesus and indeed follow him immediately, here and now, right here, right now, in the world and time in which we are living. What seems to be at the heart of the matter, Lowe's concludes, is that you and I can follow Jesus. Because even in our fear, even in our uncertainty about what lay ahead, Jesus will be there leading us and teaching us and encouraging us by his very example and by doing so, he's actively making us fishers of people. He is calling us to follow. And then he is empowering us to do the work that comes in following. <clears throat> Some years ago, I had the opportunity to participate in a, a stewardship workshop that was led by a rather high-profile church fundraiser out of Texas. We were endeavoring to do a capital campaign, and, and we called the expert in to help us in this. And having said that, I need to tell you all these years later that, uh, com to confess, really, that at the time I went into that workshop, I was more than a little bit skeptical. I mean, what could this man who had worked with some of the 
biggest mega churches in the country possibly have to say to us who would have, that would have any relevance of all for our little church in Maine. I will never forget how he introduced himself to us. Do you know what I do in my church, he asked. And we all just sort of waited there where there was a pregnant pause in that. He said, I am the parking lot attendant of Section G. And of course, immediately I'm thinking, really? Really? I mean, not only is that church he's a part of so big that they got a Section G, they have to increase their staffing to deal with the overflow. I mean, everything is bigger in Texas, but come on! Well, then this man went on to explain it, that each Sunday morning, as he was out there in Section G of the church parking lot, he had had the opportunity to know some of the members of that huge congregation, some of whom he was meeting for the first time, others who were brand new to the church, who were coming into that sanctuary for the very first time. And this also gave the man this wonderful, unprecedented, and yes, immediate chance to interact, to engage, to, to give these folks directions, to answer questions, and above all, to make these new people feel welcome and a unique and special part of this admittedly massive congregation at this particular megachurch. And that's when he said it. And he said it with a very broad smile on his face. So you might say, he said, I'm actually a minister. The minister of the congregation at Section G of our church parking lot. And I've never forgotten that. And I've come to understand that you might also say that in his own special way, this man was a fisher of people. Because friends, whenever or wherever an opportunity arises to put ourselves and our faith out there for others to see in settings that are both mega large and also in places that are very, very small, odds are that Jesus is calling us to leave what we were doing before so that we could follow his example where we are. To quote David Lewis one more time, this is what's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, to try and live and treat others as Jesus did, embracing the values of inclusiveness and love and forgiveness and healing that he radiated in word and in deed. Of course, you know, it, it, we do have to point out here that in, in our reading of the text today, as, as Sarah shared it with us, we once again have that incredible advantage of knowing where the story goes from here. It's an advantage that none of them had, of course. Everything that was to come for Andrew and Peter, James and John, and the others as well, it came about because they answered the call to follow Jesus. And, and quite frankly, most of it probably unfolded in ways that they never would have ever expected 
or anticipated when, when they impulsively left their nets behind. Most especially about three or so years later, when they made this triumphal entry with Jesus into Jerusalem, only to stand by helplessly five days later to watch him die on a cross. You see, that's the thing about following Jesus. That's the other part of being fishers of people. Sometimes, oftentimes, you do end up going in directions you would have never planned on. And maybe even you go in ways you never would have chosen for yourself if it had been left totally up to you. It's much easier, I suspect, for any of us to have decided in that moment of calling to just say, no, thank you very much for the offer, but I think I, I just i am going to stay here in my boat with my nets and my fishing pole. I, I make a fairly decent living fishing. I think I'm just going to stick with this. Uh, thanks again, though. Uh, I, I, it's great to be fishers of people, but I'm just going to fish for fish. I mean, it's not much, Jesus, but it's a living, Right? You know, it would be much easier for any of us to go that route rather than where Jesus is suggesting. Much more convenient, certainly much less dangerous. But you see, there in the midst of all of our doubts and our fears and our excuses for why we can't and why we won't, still there's Jesus. Still he's there standing on the shoreline and he is calling to us Follow me, offering you and I an epiphany and a a revelation from God, a word to us that while it can be denied, it could be refused, ultimately it cannot be ignored. In the words of Albert Schweitzer, from his seminal work, The Quest of the Historical Jesus, He comes to us as one unknown, without a name, as of old by the lakeside. He came to those men who knew him not. But he speaks to us the same word, follow thou me, and sets us to the tasks which he has to fulfill for our time. He commands, and to those who obey him, whether they be wise or simple, He will reveal himself in the toils, the conflicts, the sufferings which they will pass through in his fellowship. And as an ineffable mystery, they shall learn in their own experience who he is. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is calling, beloved. Jesus is calling in ways that are wonderfully and beautifully unique to each one of you, each one of your life's journey. The question is, it always is when Jesus is calling, how will you answer? I hope and I pray today that your answer will end up being the means by which you come to experience who Jesus truly is. And by that experience, have your life be changed.
forever. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, I Will Lead You, part of our current sermon series all about epiphanies. It was recorded during our January the 28th service of worship at East Congregational Church, where we would love to have you join us in person for worship. We come together every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off exit 16 of I-93 in Concord, New Hampshire. It's a great way to spend a Sunday morning, and I would love the opportunity to welcome you in person. I know you'll be glad you came. For now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. As always, I thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.